windows and wonderful restored cloisters, which contributes to its special character, allowing the Christmas message to be heard from Bishop Joanna Presbury. A good news story to share with everyone on Christmas Eve has been around four-year-old Bay Austin from Hook, who was on his own in the house earlier this month, when his pregnant mother Jess passed out from the side effects of morning sickness medication. The quick-thinking youngster used Siri to dial 999 and told the operator, my mummy's sick, that he was four years of age and was alone with her. It was a proud moment for Mum when he received a bravery award for his quick thinking, as call handler Ashley Page talked both through how to keep his mum conscious. Mrs Austin has made a full recovery thanks to her son's knowledge of technology, awareness of his address and staying calm to enjoy the Yuletide festivities with his family. Christmas is a time of saying thank you to others for what they have done for you and your family, but for Sarah and James Griffiths from Johnson, it meant a bit more this year as they featured in the Christmas appeal video of De Haven's Children's Hospice near Cardiff. Whilst many enjoy the company of close relatives, the hospice's doors never close to the families that need it most, as Christmas is just another day of medical routine. The Griffiths' two daughters, Molly and Emily, have both been diagnosed with Rett syndrome, a rare condition that affects the development of the brain and they attend to Haven over the Christmas break, allowing them to enjoy the nice things like opening presents, singing Christmas songs and watching Christmas films with their children, as the staff do all the hard stuff like medication, feeding and changing, which meant the family were at the forefront of this year's Tea Haven Christmas Appeal to say thank you. More information on the appeal can be found at teahaven.org forward slash Christmas. In local sport... Narbeth emerged 32-13 victors in their WRRU Championship game at the Lewis Lloyd ground on Saturday against Newcastle Emlyn. Skipper Stephen Phillips marked his 250th appearance for the Otters with one of four tries, alongside scrum half Rhys Lane, winger Yannick Parker and hooker Rodri Owens, with Nick Gale contributing 12 points with his boot. Haverford West County lifted themselves to second place in Welsh League Division 1, with a comfortable 3-0 victory at Old Road against Britain Fellish Lansour. Skipper Sean Pemberton scored for the Bluebirds, alongside striker Dan Williams and Ben Fawcett, although manager Wayne Jones saw teenage centre-half Alaric Jones and new signing Kaid Mohammed limp off in the first half, which will cause him some concern ahead of their next match on Friday evening, and relegation threatened Tom Pentra. I'm Jonathan Twig. And you're up to date with the local Pembroke News here on Pure West Radio on Christmas Eve. And I leave you with a final message from Councillor Sue Murray, Mayor of Haverford West. As one of the major town councils in Pembrokeshire, I would like to wish everyone in Haverford West and Pembrokeshire a very Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. As a council, in 2018 we have been really active and we also support individuals and organisations by giving grants and anyone is welcome to apply via the town council. We have a programme of events for 2019 and will also be holding our festival week and carnival again, so your support would be greatly appreciated. I appreciate very much the dedication of staff at Withy Bush Hospital and our emergency support workers in these difficult times. And we also, as a council, we appreciate everyone's effort and commitment to retaining our services. As we approach Christmas tomorrow, I wish you all the very best and look forward to 2019 and engaging with everyone. This is Pure West Radio for Pembrokeshire from Pembrokeshire. And this.
is the West Files. This Christmas Eve. is Christmas Eve. Yes. Oh, we need to check Santa the tracker. Santa tracker, Santa tracker. Santa tracker time. Hang Santa. on. Where is he? Where is he? He's, He's waving. He yeah. keeps waving at you. He knows you're watching him. Go on. Oh. <laughs> Don't take... Yeah, you're going to get an email off Santa in a minute saying, right. I've got... Twenty-one million pounds for you here because he's in Nigeria. Nigeria. <laughs> <laughs> it's in a bank. Yeah. Your Christmas present is in a bank. You just need to send me your bank details. Yeah. If you get an email from Santa, please don't read it. Yeah. <laughs> Not until he's well out of harm's way. No. Prince Nagudu has eighty thousand Ugandan dollars, which works out to be about forty pound. <laughs> I know this because uh, they robbed me. <laughs> he looked into it. We have a story. I have a story. You do. I have a story. Because it's Christmas Eve and we're maintaining yes. on the West Files, we're maintaining the tradition of the Christmas ghost story. Yes, which I've just got into. With variations. Variations. Now mine isn't actually about there the ghost as such. There we are. It's about Moll of Redbirth, who was a famous witch who lived in the early 19th century in a little cottage on the road from Cairo to Begelly. This is one of the stories. Mm-hmm. And it's called Moll and the Bucket of Calm. You want a smarty? No. It the was dark... what, sorry? <laughs> I said it right first time. You're not going to catch me. I've already practised. <laughs> but can you just say it again anyway? No, I'll be saying it cool. after. Oh, Hang excellent. on, read, listen to the story. Sorry, yeah, no, no, uh, we're spoiling the story. Yes. Sorry. It was a dark and drizzly day in November 1842 with a cold wind blowing in from the west. Billy Morris of Dairy Hayes, on the edge of the hamlet of Carew Cheriton, was not looking forward to a long journey which he knew would leave him wet and miserable. But his calm for you, Thank you. supply was almost finished, and he had to go to Bonville's Court Colliery for another cartload if he was to keep the home fire burning. So he prepared his heavy cart, harnessed his two best cart horses, put on his waterproofs and set off for Saundersfoot. Billy brought his calm from the pit head at a reasonable price and set off for home with the drizzle still swirling about him. The load was heavy and the five-mile journey slow. At last he reached Redbirth and with less than two miles to go he allowed himself the luxury of thinking about his warm fireside. As he passed through the village he saw old Moll standing at the door of her clom cottage. He's going to have to leave it. He was going past in his calm and he passed the clom. (laughs) He had a big heavy load, didn't he? Okay, can I ask a silly question? No, finish the story. There's people hanging on your every word. Not with you lot here, there isn't. Bucket of thing. (laughs) (laughs) It's heavy load. I just want to know. Can you do a bucket? (laughs) I could. I'm not going there yet. Yes, dear. She begged him to give her a bucket full <laughs> I'm not going to say the word anymore but he was in a hurry to get home and he ignored her as he drove past I wish I could ignore these two he knew that old Moll was a witch but he was in no mood to mollify her since she was always asking for things and never gave anything in return yeah. I'm not answering that either he had not gone 50- I know, I've known women like that <laughs> yeah. uh, most of them <laughs> <laughs> He had not gone 50 yards up the road when the cart tipped over backwards, flinging him off his driving seat and depositing the whole load in the middle of the road. At the same time, the cart horse harnesses came loose, freeing the two horses, upon which they galloped off into the distance. We should have coconuts here. Yeah, I was going to say, hang on, shake them. Yeah, shake them on time. 
was furious. I'm furious. I'm furious. I chased off after them, shaking his fist in the air. Oh, doesn't work on the radio, though. No. And shouting at the top <laughs> of his voice. That does. At this, Moll quietly came out of her cottage with a bucket and a little shovel. Mm. She filled the yeah, bucket. It's good for the roses. Ah. She filled the bucket and went back inside. When Billy at last returned, having collected his two cart horses, he discovered that the back end of the cart was broken. I wonder why. Feeling fed up to the back teeth, he harnessed up the horses again and started to load the calm back onto the damaged cart with his big, big shovel. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I knew. It's I knew you couldn't last. Yeah. Steve, did you choose this story? Yes. He's While naughty. he was in the middle of his heavy labour. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> with his big shovel. With his big shovel. Good Old Moll came out of her cottage again and looked on with a grin on her face. I suppose you don't mind that I helped myself to a bucket just now, Billy, she said. Oh. I see the cart is somewhat smaller than was Ooh. and won't hold so much, so I thought I'd save you from having two journeys to fetch it home. That's the end of that story. Did Brian John write that? He'd be turning yeah. in his grave if he, he might as well have written a sex it. violation if he's going to yeah. write filth oh. like that. Yeah, some of our stories tonight are courtesy of a former show guest, Brian yes, John, Brian who John. will be joining us in the in New the year. spring. Amazing oh. guy. He inspired me. I, I love his stuff. He's, he's the greatest. I'm not sure I like that story anymore. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Old Moll. Old Moll. I think I've read that in Reader's Wives once. <laughs> you mean Reader's Digest? <laughs> yes, sorry. I always get yeah. mixed up. For for some easy reason. mistake, easy, easy mistake to make. <laughs> you did very well. I've been round of applause for reading that. Well done. When I saw that, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> you thought what? I thought you're a nice, nice, nice little man. Thank you. Yeah. Mm, I thought you said bastard then. I did. <laughs> is that the worst you've come out with on the. No, it isn't, is it? No. No, no. 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 Because we're allowed to swear after nine o'clock. It's great. And that's why your listeners, you've got so many. Yeah. What, because we swear? No, yeah. Because they're all they're drunk. Like that's drunk. right, especially tonight. Do you know, I'm, I'm going to raise the tone of the show by, uh, I think what? we'll have, well, well, I think we'll go, we'll, we'll check the tracker. Yes. Check uh, check in with episode four of The Teller of Curious Tales. Yeah. Have some music, and then maybe a story from Gav. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. So uh, let's go with episode four of The Teller of Curious Tales, followed by Bing Crosby. Bon Crosby. Bong, bonkers Bing, bonkers Bing, bonkers as he was as he was known to all his mates. Yeah, and you can you can join in on the show and don't forget the quiz. Get to Sixth Radio is a website, Facebook page. Six books, six books. Sorry, yeah, they'll kill me. Um, go on to Gavin's Facebook and write all over that. Yeah, um, yeah, saves us having yeah, to do it. Yeah, uh, Instagram, Snapchat, Snap Crackle and Pop, whatever you've Tweet got. It, yeah. No. <laughs> you, you, no, 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 no. Come down to the studios. Yes. Knock on the door and hand your answers in. Um, they'll all Why go in. Still here, they'll obviously. all go in the same wastebasket, and we'll draw <laughs> yeah. the prize later. So, some people have got it right. Well, I hope so. so. Yes. Yeah. Well done. It means yes. I either read the book or cheated. Or the, no, read. you just go to Amazon.com and just find the book. It'll tell you. It tells you yeah. in the synopsis. You oh, don't yeah. have to have read the book. You've got to read the book as well. You know, scary. But why win it? If well, scary. <laughs> that means that there are people in yeah. Pembrokeshire who can read. Yeah. Tonight, I, the teller of curious tales, open my book once again and bring you strange and unusual stories, true stories stranger than any fiction ever written. Listen 
to the teller of curious tales. About all the evidence that we have that there was ever a lost continent of Atlantis are a few lines in one of Plato's books, and on this meagre evidence millions of dollars have been spent trying to find the location of this continent before the ocean swallowed it. In Homer's Iliad there is a description of a battle between pygmies and cranes. These pygmies were supposed to be 14 inches tall and they existed in a dozen different places. As crazy as this may sound, there is more evidence that these people once existed than there is that Atlantis was once a continent with a highly developed civilization. In England, India, France and South Africa, archaeologists have found tiny arrowheads and spears, called by them pygmy flints. Some of them are only a quarter of an inch long, and the only explanation scientists have ever given for the existence of these tiny weapons is that they were toys for children. Somehow, this explanation isn't quite logical, because where pygmy flints are found, normal flint tools and weapons are never in evidence. Here's another argument against the explanation that these tiny weapons are toys, and I quote from an article by R.A. Galti in Science Gossip. He says, So fine is the chipping that to see the workmanship, a magnifying glass is necessary. Since it isn't reasonable to believe that prehistoric man had magnifying glasses with which to make them, and only one other explanation is reasonable. That they were made by people so small that to them these flints were of normal size. In July 1836, some boys were searching for rabbit burrows on a hill near Edinburgh, Scotland. In the side of a small cliff, the boys came upon several thin sheets of slate which they pulled out. They discovered a tiny cave, and in this cave, 17 tiny coffins. Antiquarians say that from the condition of these tiny coffins, they were deposited singly at intervals of many years. They can offer no explanation except that they are very, very old. There you have the story of the pygmies. Every civilized country has legends regarding tiny people. India, China, Egypt, Europe. Perhaps even now, in some unknown rubble heap, there are tiny skulls waiting the excavator's shovels. Waiting to bring immortal fame to some archaeologist. The God strikes. My time is up. On my next visit, I'll bring you other stories, curious tales, strange beliefs. The teller of curious tales has closed his book. 
and about to go on his way. I'll be back again on Ghost Chronicles International with more strange stories. He's going to laugh, Ronnie. Get up. Hug Sleep up. Sleep tight. <laughs> Gifts we bring himself. Aye. Bingle Crosby. Bungle Crosby. Now Bungle was the, the, the bear off that program. Rainbow. Up above the streets. Oh that one. Hello Jordan. Bungle. Yes yes Jeffrey. Yes. That's the one. That's scary. <laughs> I'm, a big fan of, I'm a big fan of Zippy and George. And obviously George not. was actually a woman. Mm. Apparently so. Yes but you're obviously not a fan of Bungle. <laughs> no. No very sinister looking bear. The early Bungle was mm. till they redesigned the costume. Apparently, he took his head off, didn't he, in an episode? And he said, "I." In, he, he said, "I've had enough," but he didn't quite. There say was one episode that they that they did broadcast, which only which is now on YouTube, mm. 
um, where they they basically given up the will to live and just the whole show is blue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, blue with adult humour all Jeff the way through it. Jeff's in bed and they're talking about like his his wang or something like there was a uh, toy. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's awful. It terrible, terrible. How shaped my psychology. Things that they could get away with on children. Remember Spotty Dog? Um, wooden tops. I remember them wooden tops. And flubber lubber lubber. Oh, weed. Weed. Yeah, I mean, nowadays you go, weed. And, you, and you get given yeah. to, yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah, arrest me. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, we do also have a guest in the studio. Yes. Um, who's um, going to read us a story or tell us a story. And tell you a story, because if I mm-hmm. read the story, it'd be horrendous. And I'm not very good at reading out aloud. What I thought was, it's not very Christmassy. But it is one of my favourite stories. Retime it. What you got to say is it was a dark, wet, yeah, misty it was, night. It was wintry. It was Christmassy. Yeah, it was, it was Christmassy. It was Christmassy. This is a scary story. She's going to take the... Because you did it to her calm. You can try, but it's a very scary story. I don't get scared. You will by this one. I won't. Okay. okay. Ready? Do your best. Go on, then. It was a... I can't remember exact oh, no. date, but there was, and Steve's aware of it, oh, there no, was I'm a ghost hunting team <laughs> who were awful, but very good at getting very good locations. And they were from South Wales. And they were very naughty in that I caught them cheating a lot, throwing stones, throwing chairs, saying things were there. And they didn't... They, they, they weren't very fussed on us as paying customers. They would say, oh... There's a monk over there, and there's a cavalier here, and there's a woman called Kylie uh, here. It's like Welsh accent, really. Not. I know. And it's pretty good Welsh. Are, are, are they on ah, about, oh, Is that cavalier or, or car? Or the car. It was oh, the car. The, they, he saw a 17th century cavalier. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be In midnight great. blue. In midnight oh, vinyl that, roof. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Had to be Shh. midnight. Shh. This is scary. Okay. Right. Dim the lights. Why are you taking your clothes off? What's going on? No, no, no. It's not that. It's scary, no, I said, no, not sexy. No. Oh, so I decided to wrong. give him another go with it's my very good one. friend, G.V. Thomas, who will probably be listening tonight. What is that? <laughs> dowsing rods. <laughs> they did have dowsing rods, actually. Yeah, looking for water. Yeah. <laughs> I actually... Um, but it's supposed to be so scary. You might, anyway, we won't go. I actually saw someone's flask at night as well, by accident, mm. which is very, very odd. So we went into the big keeper Pembroke Castle with these ghost hunting people. There was about six of us and a lady who claimed to have abilities that she could see and communicate with the dead. So we all went into the great keepers. It was dark apart from there was a bit of light coming in from behind. So we all stood in a circle, hand in hand, in Pembroke Castle in that big keep. And the lady started doing a gimmick. In fact, there was a man there called Andrew and this, that, and whatever. And in the dark in the middle just unfolded was like a shape like a black shape now i was holding uh, the hand of a girl to my left who's called emma and she was from london who'd come down for this event and on my right was my very skeptical and rational friend gv thomas he's probably the most skeptical man ever and i know there's hardcore skeptics listening tonight they're more hardcore than you trust me and I watched this thing unfold, and it was a terrible smell. And I was like, gosh. Why are you looking at me? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a bucket of comb. And I thought, someone's farted, right? And I'm a terrible giggler. So this thing unfolded, and there was a shape within inside the, the circle of a figure about five foot, maybe a bit more. I'm only five five, but it was shorter than me. And it appeared to be going in front of everyone and looking them in the face. And it took its turn. 
And my friend on my right, my skeptical friend, he gripped my hand so hard, so hard. I thought he was going to think, and he went, he made noise like, Ugh! I thought, God, what's going on there? Cold. 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 <laughs> He's come. And the smell was so intense that I actually thought someone has shifted their pants. <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah. Steph, that was for you. That was for you, Steph. So this thing looked in front of me and it filled me with such we won't dread. We will a secret Santa list now, will we? No. <laughs> we'll get it. We'll be getting nothing. Yeah. And this thing stood in front of me and it was the biggest feeling of dread and misery I've ever felt. It was awful. It felt so depressed. It's just like it, whatever this thing was just sucked the life out of me. And I was still trying to process, was I, my lights adjusting, to, my eyes adjusting to the lights? Was I just suggestion? You know, was it that retina burn from things being flashed around torches? Because they've got a habit, these ghost hunters, of blinding you with a torch and going lights out. And then you're seeing all these things coming at you. And the girl next to me, she squeezed my hands and she said, there's something in a circle. And people started saying, there's something in a circle. But there was another thing emerged as well. And we were greeted by these two five-foot figures and the smell was absolutely horrendous. It was absolutely disgusting. And the, the people started saying, there's someone in the circle. Someone in, and Medium's like, yeah, it's Andrew and Tom. And I'm like, these, this ain't Andrew and Tom, love. This is, these aren't, these aren't, this is so very weird. So the girl next to me screamed and ran outside. She ran outside. And the Medium said, don't break the circle. I thought it was too late for that. Yeah. So I followed her out. And I said, you're right. She said, no, no. She was sobbing her eyes out. She said, there was something in the circle with us. These stinking, stinking men. And my friend Gwyn came out, GV Thomas, amazing guy, and he he was white, and he was smoking. Go, they must have done something to us. They they they're playing around with us. Uh, they they're using projectors and they're using smell. And he was so upset. We actually had to go home. That's how upset he was. But the thing was, the medium who was supposed to be looking after us never picked up on a thing. But everyone in that circle, and that was at Pembroke Castle in the keep. Now I've been back. I had the whole castle to myself. Me and my little team, we had three of us, had the whole castle for the night. Guess what? Nothing. Nothing was ever seen. And Steve, I think you've you've done a bit of investigation into the I've stinking spent, men phenomenon. Um, well, not that particular phenomenon, but yeah, the castle, absolutely. I've spent I've spent time there um, by, by day and by night. And uh, there is an interesting area very close to um, the keep um, where people have reported smells. Mm-hmm. Bad animal smells, smells of wet dog. I've heard about. And Howard, yeah. Howard, the guide, has uh, done done quite extensive research into this and um, these phenomena and experiences. And he discovered that it was actually the kennels and the stables were quite close to that area, and there was a hunting pack. Um, ah. The Lord kept hunting dogs. Now that's the only story I've heard of a smell relating to uh, Pembroke Castle. Um. Perhaps you should talk to Howard. I will talk to Howard because I know because I know Howard desperately keen to research mm. stories relating to the castle. Because people have <coughs> said they wreck and they've seen like primitive man in the Terry Wogan cavern. It's not Wogan's cavern down below. I've slept in Wogan's cavern. There are some primitive people in there. Yeah, yeah. particularly holiday season. Yeah, I know it's yeah. terrible. Yeah, and they stink. As oh, well. I remember I spent four hours in the Wogan. Wogan, cavern. Mm. It's we, really nice. It's we beautiful. were fil- we were filming with a TV crew. Um, recording of the Pembrokeshire voice this is not a television programme about singers this was a phenomenon <laughs> that reared its head a few years ago and uh, uh, the associate ASAP, the mm. Scientific Association um, asked us to go and take a look at it and try to recreate it, we did and we discovered it had a mundane cause 
but as part of the filming for it, we had the director who thought he was bloody Spielberg. <laughs> and he wanted to get this shot of a dog jumping over the camera. So we mm. found an Alsatian, he, he laid the cameraman down, and four hours while we're down in this damp, miserable Ooh. pit of a cave full of pid, dead, bitter dead pigeon and guano, and it was winter, you can imagine what it was like. And in the end, I, yes, I went marching up the stairs and said, Oi, Spielberg! <laughs> and gave him a few minutes to get his butt down into that cavern and start filming before we did one, and yeah. left him in the lurch. Anyway, we need to check the tracker. Yeah, where is We're he? We're being very remiss. Let's yes. find out where Santa's gone. We're using a lot of posh words tonight as well. Remiss. Like, come. Oh, yeah. hello. 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 Um, he's, he's in Europe, yeah? He is. He is. He's in, currently in um, Pisa. Is it Pisa? Yeah, Pisa heading towards Venice. Ooh. Next stop after Venice, Verona, Bologna, and Milano. He better get here before Brexit. Due in uh, Pembrokeshire in three hours. Currently, the stats for Santa tonight four trillion. I'll let you read no. that. Yeah, four trillion. Way too many numbers for me. 585 million parcels delivered um, and miles travelled currently are. 193,384 kilometres. And the weather, if you're interested, in Milan, it's currently um, clear skies and 4 Celsius. So you might get to see him. <coughs> might well. Hang on, he's, he's moving again. His movement. Oh, he's turned right. He's now heading towards uh, Croatia and the Dalmatian coast. Can I ask you a question, Steve? Because yeah. you're one of the most cleverest people I know. So after Ronnie. After Ronnie? Yeah, of course. Of course, of course. Yeah. It's always worried me this, right? And you're a clever he worries man. Me every I read time. your books, yeah, you're a worry. smart man, it right? Just worries me all the time. Father Christmas, right? Yeah. Yeah. I know he's magic, I know he does all these incredible things, yeah. right? But my house didn't have a chimney. How did he get in? Magic key. Magic. He's got a key. Magic key. Yeah. My five year old knows about that. Oh, he I didn't know, know that. Magic key. And I don't know. Any lock. lock. Saw him yeah. one night. Any lock. Mm. Saw him one night. Well, my boys are in high hopes tonight. They've, they, yeah. Yeah, they've set up a Santa trap with cameras. <laughs> 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 Trial cams and all, all yeah. your ghost hunting equipment, Steve. Well, Santa I can't, I can't give out details in case the big man's listening to yeah. the show because he is a fan of the West Files. Yes. Um, but there is. Which is why he's allowed us to track him tonight. Yeah. Well, actually, it's Norad. But Norad tracks Santa, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to go there. Or other good Santa tracking websites. No. What will happen with Brexit? Will he have to go through immigration to drop his presents? No, or does he get a pass? He's, he's yeah, free run. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. He's free run. I mean, apparently they even let him in, like Trump even lets him into America. Even though the American <laughs> government has now ceased to function. Doesn't have to go over the wall or anything, no? No. Oh. Well, provided he comes down from Canada. He's a big white man with a beard. Of course yeah. they can let him we in. We should annex, uh, we should take back North America, you know. Call it Canada South. Put the Queen back on the throne. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, story time. So, oh, yes. Yeah, so should we do a story or should we... Um, uh, let's have a story. Let's have the incompetent ghost of Crimmock. Because I can say Crimmock even though I'm English. Crimmock. Crimmock. I can do it in the Scouse way, like Crimmock. That's near enough. Mary loves Dick. <laughs> and her calm. <laughs> Once upon a time, a family moved into an old house near Crimmock. I'm going to do it the English way, not the Scouse way and found that it had a resident ghost. The ghost, whose name was Gwillem, appeared to be that of an old man, and he would turn up frequently in the house, making strange noises, pushing over chairs, walking through closed doors, and doing various other ghostly things. Mm. 
However, he was not a very good ghost, since he was obviously quite harmless, and since he appeared far too frequently for his own good. <laughs> so the family started to take the poor ghost for granted, and even the children would laugh at him instead of screaming with terror, as children are supposed to do. Aww. This made the poor ghost quite miserable, and he began to waste away until he was a shadow of his former self. Aww. At last the family became so worried about Gwillem the ghost that they decided to take the matter in hand. So next time he appeared, the father said to him, Now then, Gwillem, we are getting very worried about you. Come in and sit down here in the living room and we will have a little chat. Now in a minute. The old ghost looked surprised at this invitation, but reluctantly he agreed and then came in and sat on the old sofa. And DFS are doing new ones in the yeah. show. And Saturday. The mother looked at him in the eye and told him that he wasn't being taken seriously enough and that he would make a far better job of being a ghost if he does his haunting occasionally rather than all the time. Then young David piped up and said, why don't you just come back and haunt us once every seven years? Hmm. Then when you knock things over and walk through the wall or something, we will all have forgotten about you and you will, we will all be quite scared hmm. and you will feel really pleased with yourself, just like a proper ghost. Aww. The family all thought this an excellent idea, and after giving the matter some thought, Gwillem had to admit it was at least worth trying. So there and then, the family and the ghost made a deal. Gwillem would appear and do a good haunting every seven years. And then, when they had all recovered from the shock, they would sit down for a chat and renegotiate a new deal. Mm. Then Gwillem, true to his word, disappeared through the closed floor with a final moan and did not reappear for seven whole years. When he did return, he popped up through the floor quite unexpectedly and did a splendid haunting, which gave all the members of the family a thoroughly good fright. Afterwards, they all sat down and agreed that things had gone very well indeed, and that Gwillem and the family would renew the agreement by mutual consent. Hmm. And so it was that the old, old ghost Gwillem appeared quite regularly every seventh year, as long as the family and their descendants occupied the house. There we are. Beautifully told. You feel quite sorry for the ghost and part of that, didn't you? Very like the Canterville ghost, I mm. thought. Very yeah. like the Canterville ghost. I agree. Yeah. So which is the original? Oh. Santa Tracker and Teller of Curious Tales. Yeah. Gotta keep the show moving. No time to dwell. Where is he? Tirana in Albania. There oh. you go. Probably stealing BMWs. Yeah. <laughs> Because that's where all, be all stolen BMWs end up in Albania. Episode 5 yes. of The Teller of Curious Tales. I'm being spoilt tonight. You are, aren't you? Mm. Sure, it'll be all damp afterwards. Tonight, I, The Teller of Curious Tales, open my book once again and bring you strange and unusual stories. True stories, stranger than any fiction ever written. Listen to the teller of curious tales. There have been many mysteries of the sea, but none so hard to explain as that of the Mary Celeste. She was an American brigantine commanded by Captain Briggs 
and her home port was New York. On December the 5th, 1872, in the vicinity of Gibraltar, Captain Boyce of the British bark De Gracia hailed the Marie Celeste, and when he received no answer to his greeting and saw no one at the wheel, he, his mate Mr. Adams, and two sailors put off in a small boat. They rowed over to the American vessel and managed to climb aboard. What they found there has proved one of the greatest enigmas of maritime history. Not a soul was aboard. There was no sign of violence or struggle. No indication that the crew had made any preparations to abandon their ship, and not one of the small boats was missing from its davits. Naturally amazed, Captain Boyce and his mate Mr. Adams made a careful inspection. In the cabin, breakfast had been set for four people, and only partly eaten. A bowl of cereal stood on the table, practically untouched. A hard-boiled egg had been peeled and cut in two, but had not been bitten into. There were biscuits and other food, also untouched or partly eaten. The boat was not leaking, and the cargo was in excellent shape. None of the food, water, or other supplies had been touched. The captain's money was in the safe, and his gold watch was hanging from his bunk. Everything looked as though the captain and his crew had been there only a few minutes before. Where had they gone? Where was the crew, the mate, the cabin, his wife and his little girl? Why was this vessel abandoned in perfect condition? How was it abandoned? There had been no storm, because an uncorked bottle of cough medicine was found standing upright on a table. Nothing had been disturbed in any way. Did those people walk into the fourth dimension? Of all the thousands of explanations submitted, only this one fits the evidence. The mystery of the Marie Celeste is no nearer solution today than it was on that December morning when Captain Boyce and his men climbed aboard. The gong strikes. My time is up. On my next visit, I'll bring you other stories, curious tales, strange beliefs. The teller of curious tales has closed his book and about to go on his way. I'll be back again on Ghost Chronicles International with more strange stories. Sleep tight. <laughs> what more from the way Tell of Curious Tales to come before the end of the show? Yum. If you can bear the strain. I'm eating my smarties. Oh, oh, what are you talking about? You finished yours? I mean... Yeah. Thank you, Toby Ellis. You're a good man. The real Santa Claus for me. Who's, uh, yeah, his Christmas lunch cost him four pence. Mm. He's boasting about it on social mm. media. It's not bad, yeah. is it, tightwad? <laughs> but what he pays us on the Westlands as well. Anyway, um, anyway. yeah, uh, let's just recap that competition. Yes, right. 
Some of you have entered, and some of you have even got it right. So if you head over to... Well, six well can I just say, there's no use clicking like on it. Yeah, some of you, you just You won't get a prize it. for just clicking like. That's yeah. just random button pressing. Thank you for liking and sharing, but actually enter as well, because there's a genuine copy of Haunted Horror of Halford West signed by me. Maybe I'll get Steve and Ronnie to sign it as well. Yeah, now it's tripled in value, right? So head over or to... Or diminished rapidly. <laughs> I was going to say, is he sure about that one? Go into groups on Facebook, right, and go to Sixth Books. It's the number six, T-H, Books, B-O-O-K-S, okay? Join a group, and there's a competition. And it is, when did Di and Anne buy the house in Haunted Horror of Harvard West? And the options are, off the top of my head, 1989, 2002, 2018, 1975. Yeah, that one. Maybe. 1975. One of those four, one of those four yeah. is the correct answer. So mm. all of you get the answer right. It will Wednesday. be put into a hat, which we now have, and you will have it picked out. And if it is you, we will post the book to you. It is simple. So we head to sixth, the number six, thbooks.com. Well. It's not dot com, it's just sixth books. Go over there and, and, and enter. Why do I keep thinking he's saying sick books? They asked the one I wrote, Go Sex Violation. That was pretty sick. I kind of get excitable when they go sick books. Oh, you just read out a pretty sick story. Oh, well, Star well. Wars at first one was Sith books. Yeah, that's Sith true. Book. I find it, that's right, it's the number six with a T and a H, I mean books. My friend I run, who co-hosts on Ghost Chronicles International, he's got uh, the New England Ghost Project. Mm. And he's, he never thought about it when he was thinking up the web page for mm. the group. So it's N-E, Ghost Project. Makes perfect sense to him. He doesn't get emails because anybody who he says, contact us on anyghostproject.com. <laughs> and of course, every A and Y ghost project. Oh, yeah. oh, Any no. old ghostproject.com yeah. except the right one. So he now has to go the letter N, the letter E, ghostprojects.com. What do you think about this one? I think I've just made it a bit too hard. If you want to just go to the West Files page yeah. and just put the answer Could've there. Could have just gone straight there. Just go there. Because I know. I didn't think it through. It's been a long day. It's Christmas Eve. Yeah. We were going to do Fifty Shades. I got oh, brought, I brought yeah. a copy of Fifty Shades. <laughs> I, I brought, well, what, what's another name for a ghost? Yeah, Shade. Mm. There we Spectre, are. Sick. Wordplay. Word paranormal, paranormal wordplay for. Right, um, well, let's check the tracker and then um, we can zoom into another episode of the channel. Sandra, better hurry up. I'm eating all his Smarties. Yeah, I hope you're hungry, because that's where he is. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah. the big the big guy is in Hungary. He's due here in three hours. Oh, we better we better wind this show up. Has he been to Turkey yet? Now, Bosnia-Herzegovina, Zagreb. He's currently winging his way towards Budapest. Is he going the wrong way? Doesn't well, he has to sort of do everywhere. Mm. He, he doesn't oh, just. Right. There is no linear way to go around the globe. No. Unless mm. it was a flat Earth. Oh, let's not you, get into that. You know, if the Earth was flat, you know, if the Earth had been flat, the cats would have knocked everything off the edge by now. Yeah. <laughs> there we are. And we'd have been on top of a tortoise yeah. elephant. So, Gav, yeah. um, we're going to throw him out into the night now while we put, get the yeah. tale of curious yeah. tales. We're going to throw you out after you taking the mick out of me reading my yeah. story. I so. didn't take them out. I loved it. I think for Valentine's. You were sat there trying not to cry. I think for Valentine's, you should read uh, Go Sex Violation live on radio. Yeah. Go, we will. Yeah. We will. Challenge. Ronnie's got to read it. You we'll, do the sound effects. We'll. Um, you come in and laugh. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I won't laugh. We'll, we'll script it between us. Mmm. There we are. Well. Deal. Thank you so much. I love your show. It's amazing. And Merry while, Christmas. Uh, while he's all. talking, episode six of The Teller of Curious Tales will yeah. play over him. Cool. Merry Christmas! <laughs> Woo!
Tonight, I, the teller of curious tales, open my book once again and bring you strange and unusual stories, true stories stranger than any fiction ever written. Listen to the teller of curious tales. This is the story of a spy in the ranks of the Confederate Army. Not a great spy, not a man of super-intelligence who outwitted the enemy at every turn, but just a loyal, courageous southern boy of 21. He belonged to Coleman's scouts. Coleman was the super-spy, and this boy, Sam Davis, was just one of his least promising assistants. In October 1863, Coleman and Davis found themselves in Nashville, which had fallen to the Federal armies a few weeks before. They had a complete map of the fortifications in their possession, along with a list of the northern troops and their positions, which Confederate General Bragg could use to his advantage. Young Sam Davis was selected to carry them through a hundred miles of hostile country to Chattanooga. Wearing a faded federal uniform, Sam rode boldly and leisurely through the enemy country. When he was stopped, he told his questioners that he was a federal soldier looking for his regiment. With only one day between him and his goal, he met a troop of the 7th Kansas Cavalry. They didn't believe his story took him back to their headquarters at Pulaski and threw him into the county jail. He was locked up with about 20 other suspicious characters, among them a tall man with a short brown beard, his superior officer, Captain Coleman. Not a shadow of recognition passed between them. Neither acted as though he had ever seen the other before. A guard conducted Sam to headquarters, where he was questioned by General Dodge, the federal commander. Sam had been captured in a federal uniform, with dispatches addressed to General Bragg, hidden in his hose. If this wasn't the perfect description of a spy, I never heard one. Sam offered no defence. General Dodge liked Sam. He was a fine, upstanding young man with a pleasant smile. So he offered Sam his life, if he would tell where Captain Coleman could be found. Sam smiled and said nothing. So he was taken back to the other men, including the tall man with the short brown beard who was being detained on suspicion. For three days, General Dodge sent officers to question Sam. It proved useless, and a court-martial sentenced him to suffer death by hanging. Next morning, he left the jail cell, climbed aboard a wagon, sat in his own coffin, and was driven to the scaffold. Here, one last effort was made to get him to betray the whereabouts of Captain Coleman. He looked his questioner in the eye and said, How long have I got to live, sir? 
when the captain told him, 15 minutes. He asked for a pencil and a piece of paper and wrote his mother the following. Dear mother, I have 15 minutes to live and will spend them writing to you. I don't want you to grieve after me. I don't only feel that I am doing my country's bidding, but that all heaven is sanctioning the act I am about to take. I have asked the chaplain to sing, On Jordan's stormy banks I stand, and cast a wistful eye to Canaan's fair and happy land, where my possessions lie. The federal captain said that the time was up, and turned away. Sam Davis faced the provost marshal. I am ready, sir, he said. And so a brave boy went to his doom that another man might live. The tall man with the short brown beard was put aboard a train bound for an internment camp in Chicago, but he never reached that city. Somewhere en route he escaped, and soon after bobbed up again in the vicinity of Knoxville, this time known only as Dr. Shaw. The gong strikes. My time is up. On my next visit, I'll bring you other stories, curious tales, strange beliefs. The teller of curious tales has closed his book and about to go on his way. I'll be back again on Ghost Chronicles International with more strange stories. Sleep tight. <laughs> Beginning to look a lot like Christmas Everywhere you go Take a look in the five and ten Glistening once again With candy canes and silver lanes aglow It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Toys in every store but the prettiest sight to see Is the holly that will be On your own front door A pair of hop-along boots And a pistol that shoots Is the wish of Barney and Ben Dolls that will talk and will go for a walk Is the hope of Janice and Jen And Mom and Dad can hardly wait For school to start again It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas There's a tree in the Grand Hotel, one in the park as well. The sturdy kind that doesn't mind the snow. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Soon the bells will start. And the thing that will make them ring 
is the carol that you sing right within Beginning to look a lot like Christmas Toys in every store But the prettiest sight to see Is the holly that will be On your own front door Sure it's Christmas
Just like the ones I used to know Where the treetops We win we interrupt Bring Crosby to bring you a final update from the West Files on the Santa Tracker. Currently, he's two and a half hours away in Switzerland. Get to bed. Good night. God bless from the West Files. With every Christmas card I write May your day be merry and bright And may all your Christmases be From Pembrokeshire, Pure West Radio. Yeah, yeah. I've had 